Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. Tonight we're talking about changing and growing because put simply, if we walk daily with Jesus, change in us is not just likely, but it's inevitable. At least that's the theory. The question is, do we Christians really change? Often the answer is not so much. As a pastor for many decades now, I've noticed that often there's an amazing change in people at conversion, but then we can settle down. Often we Christians talk about what we've been saved from, but sometimes not enough about what we've been saved for. Many Christians can describe the four steps that we need to take to be rescued from our sins and born again. Considerably fewer can talk anything like so clearly about what we're saved for, still less how to do it. A cynic once said, a Christian experience is an initial spasm followed by a chronic inertia. So, is that true? Stay with me as we reflect tonight on this vital question, are we changing? It usually happens around the new year when we ponder potential resolutions. I went easy on myself when New Year hit at the end of the horrible COVID-ridden 2021. Rather than aspiring to lofty, impossible goals, I settled on some more reachable objectives. I decided to cut back on my bassoon playing, I wasn't going to speak Cantonese for a whole year, and I would diligently eat plenty of chocolate. As a non-musical chocolate lover who's never owned a bassoon and who only speaks English, I have a moderate chance of succeeding, at least I thought. And then I decided to change my name to Popeye, as in the Sailor Man. Popeye is a cartoon character, a product of the 1930s. Played by the late Robin Williams in the movie version, he has a gruff voice, a clay pipe, and a passion for a young lady called Olive Oil, who looks like a stick insect with her greasy hair pulled back into a missionary bun. I never understood the attraction. Popeye could do most things, especially when he ate spinach. With his piston-like muscles and that versatile pipe, which could even propel him into space, he was a sailor saviour, rescuing Olive and occasionally the planet from all manner of calamities. But there was just one thing that Popeye could not do. He could not be other than what he was. He couldn't change. He even sang a lament about it, a serenade to sameness. I am what I am, and that's all I am. I'm Popeye, the sailor man. The reason for my new name, it was simple. I realized that I had largely stopped changing. I am what I am. And as I mentioned earlier, over four decades of pastoral leadership has taught me this rather unpalatable truth. People rarely change. Sadly, that includes Christians. Now, I know that statement is the opposite of the Christian message, which is not just about a few minor behavioral amendments here and there, but the birth of a whole new species of humanity as the newly created person in Christ, fueled by the indwelling Holy Spirit, becomes more Jesus-like, gradually and ultimately when eternity dawns. But the cold hard fact is this, too many of us have turned into old dogs who aren't too keen on learning new tricks or leopards that aren't thrilled about losing those spots. That's not to say that we never did change. 
Conversion brings new values and therefore revised behaviour. In the flush of enthusiasm spawned by first love, we breathlessly abandon old patterns of life. But some of it's only skin deep. As new Christians, perhaps we hastily trawl through our lives, declaring war on the more obvious, lurid behaviours which we rightly judge as being incompatible with Christian discipleship. But having tamed the bigger beasts, we settle down, stay as is, and wait for the sound of a trumpet when everything will be changed in a moment. But in the meantime, not much about us changes in a decade or so. What was fluid turns solid. Fresh turns stale. We get weary of the call to endless revising. The preacher's shrill challenge for yet more amendment and deeper commitment just wears us out. Some of us live secretly, bound in chains of addiction, appetizing freedom while we languish in the cell block. But even though this is not how we're called to live, the hows and whys of change are difficult to quantify. As a preacher, I so desperately want to offer seven surefire guaranteed steps to transformation, preferably beginning with the same letter. This much I know. Change begins with renewed thinking. It's not just about scrubbing up on the outside. Scripture views change as something positive. We tend to fuss about what we're not rather than dream about who we're becoming, subtraction rather than addition. But we are being transformed from glory to glory, says Paul, who himself experienced personal revolution. We tend to focus on pruning. The Holy Spirit is about producing rich, luscious fruit in our lives. And of course, change results from the supernatural inner work of the Spirit in us. True change is a sign and a wonder. So, as we embrace an uncertain future, let me repeat something that was shared at the beginning of tonight's program. Let's know that with Jesus, change is not only possible, but if we will follow Christ by faith today, it is inevitable. Perhaps that truth will allow us to swing a sledgehammer at the hopelessness that can stop us in our tracks and see a crack appear in the solid mold of what we are as we do. You see, we can change. And so I've decided against that name change. Popeye Lucas just sounds so wrong. And wrong it is. As he came striding towards me, I sighed, resigned to what was to come. It was time for my weekly rebuke. When he had started attending our church, I'd initially been impressed. He certainly knew his Bible well, and his conversation was liberally sprinkled with quotes from classic Christian books. He faithfully attended our early morning prayer meeting, held as it was at an unearthly time when angels were likely still sleeping. But as time went on, I noticed some worrying trends developing. Undeniably passionate about his faith, that passion morphed into rather unnerving intensity. He was changing all right, but not for the good. Ill at ease with laughter, the furrows on his brow deepened because for him, any fun was frivolous. His attendance at that prayer meeting fueled disdain for those who didn't show up. He eagerly and loudly lamented what he viewed as their lukewarm spirituality. And now his body language was a chilling reflection of an increasingly superior attitude because he'd sit arms folded tight through my sermon his posture screaming, I'm getting nothing out of this, and 
This teaching isn't sound. Those locked arms only unfolded when he scribbled notes furiously, which were then used as evidence for the prosecution when confronting me with news of what I should and shouldn't have said. Mostly, I was regaled with his demand that the teaching be deeper. To this day, I flinch when I hear that deep word in church. Teaching, of course, needs to have substance, but some Christians think that teaching is only deep if we don't understand a word of it. They beatify bewilderment. Not much more than 30, he insisted on wearing a suit on Sunday. Nothing wrong with that, but armed and dangerous with his notebook, I felt a mixture of sadness and repulsion as he approached. His faith seemed to strangle him like his severely knotted tie, and I knew that I definitely didn't want to be like him. He felt like he was mature, changing every day. But actually, he was a contrast to the newer Christians in our church with their unspoiled simplicity and openness. We Christians want to change. We crave spiritual maturity, and rightly so. As a new believer, I found myself surrounded by beautiful, seasoned souls who had weathered countless storms. They had changed, grown, adjusted to the different seasons, and their wisdom was winsome their smiles warm, and I so wanted to be like them. Of course, there were a few exceptions, crusty finger-pointers who demonstrated the truth that being long in the tooth doesn't guarantee tenderness of heart, but they were the exception. And although faith was so new to me, I quickly discovered the biblical call to maturity that we all grow up in Christ and allow ourselves to be shaped and changed by Him. Looking back on my journey, I confess that my progress in change and personal growth has been mixed, to say the least. I envy those disciplined saints who briskly march up the mountain of maturity with barely a break in their step. My own Christian walk has been more of a stagger. Over 40 years on, I still fall asleep when I pray and occasionally wonder if there's even anyone to pray to. But I also woke up early to the uncomfortable truth that walking the Christian pathway for a good while doesn't mean that you'll be good company, or for that matter, a well-rounded, loving person who's been changed for the good. If in doubt, consider the Pharisees, a pack of zealots who prayed for three hours a day and were proven by a year of probation before they could even join the crew. They were able to blether on endlessly about minutiae, yet had been changed for the good. If in doubt, consider the Pharisees, a pack of zealots who prayed for three hours a day and were proven by a year of probation before they could even join the crew. They were able to blether on endlessly about minutiae, yet had great talent for noticing gnats and swallowing camels. As Eugene Peterson puts it, the greatest errors in the spiritual life are committed by those who are adept at the spiritual life. The greatest capacity for self-deceit in prayer comes not in the early years, but in the middle and late years. And so the question is, as we reflect on change, are we changing and growing for the good? I still have so much to learn, so much growing space to inhabit, but this much I know. When asked what I want to be when I'm all grown up, I'd like to ignite a smile rather than a sigh when I approach people. I want to be the old guy who's kind, frequently laughs out loud and carries a bag full of chocolate treats for those lovely children in junior church. 
Come to think of it, I'd like to be more like those giggling little ones. Childlike, but not childish. Silly, but no fool. Still thrilled by grace and gracious with it too. Changed, yes, and changed for the good. As we've been reflecting on change this evening, let's recall again the words of the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, using these words to describe the normal Christian life. He says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being changed to become more like him, that's Jesus, so that we have more and more glory. In that verse, Paul uses the word metamorphosis to describe what God wants to do in our lives as he does the work of changing and shaping us. For us, change is progressive and it takes a lifetime. And the plan is that we become glorious for his glory, that we actually look like Jesus. Paul coins the same word as he teaches the church in Rome about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We can read about that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Gradual, glorious change. That's God's plan for you and me. Before I sign off tonight, please join me in prayer for the terrible situation that continues to unfold in Ukraine. As this week, the government launched their new scheme to encourage us to house refugees from the Ukraine with 45,000 signing up in the first few hours, and the number is rapidly climbing. Yes, those who've responded to that call are certainly embracing uncertainty and change as they welcome people that they don't know into their homes. So let's not only pray for the situation there, but also ask the Lord what our response to the crisis might be. We can't all offer housing, but we can all make steps to help and we can certainly pray. Father, we call out to you for this terrible situation. We pray for peace. We pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for young Russian soldiers, many of them caught up in what they don't understand. We pray for the Russian people. We pray for peace, for justice, for resolution, for change. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you next time. Lucas on Life.